Tuesday morning to you, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon Podcast. Since it is Tuesday, this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode several years ago. Thanks for downloading, and I sure hope you enjoy it. The executives in charge of Henry Villard's Oregon Railway Navigation Company no doubt thought they'd been very clever when they bought the Sternwheeler Gold Dust in 1881. They could not have been more wrong. ORN, formerly known as the Oregon Steam Navigation Company, or OSN, owned mostly all the steamboats on the Columbia River, and its rates were set accordingly. But it's tough to enforce a monopoly running on a public resource like the Columbia River. Here and there, there will be still a few independents. These would compete with OSN boats, driving down the prices for passengers and freight, and therefore hurting profits. In 1881, there were two such boats that were particularly annoying for the big company. Captain Uriah B. Scott's propeller-driven steamboat Fleetwood, and Captain Ernest Spence's pint-sized sternwheeler Gold Dust. The Fleetwood brought passengers from Portland to the bottom of the Cascade Rapids, where the Cascade Locks would be built a few few years later, and the gold dust picked them up from there and carried them on to the Dalles. By snapping up the gold dust, ORN had put both competitors out of business. There was nothing at the Cascades, just a couple ferry docks and a portage road. Nobody was going to book passage to the Cascades if he or she would be unable to continue on to the Dalles, right? You might think, you know, theoretically, one could take the Fleetwood to the Cascades, save a little bit of money there, and then transfer onto an ORN boat to continue to the Dalles. One could do that, that is, if the Sherman Antitrust Act hadn't been several dozen years in the future. In 1881, there was nothing to prevent ORN from refusing to serve people who had taken passage to the Cascades on a competitor's boat. So they did exactly that. And nobody was going to book passage to the Cascades if uh, he or she would be unable to continue to the Dalles, right? Right. Scott, the sole remaining independent boat captain, found himself running a line for which there was no market. What to do? It's not clear what ORN thought he would do. Maybe they didn't think beyond just scoring this point. But what they should have thought about was the Fleetwood itself. Scott had designed the Fleetwood himself, and Scott was a gifted naval architect, probably the best designer of steamboat hulls in Oregon history. This was the fellow who'd eaten the lunch of the Willamette River Steamboat Monopoly, the People's Transportation Company, several years before, and done it with the Ohio, a boat so crude and ugly that it had made him an object of ridicule. Until he launched it, and they realized it could haul freight and water less than a foot deep. Now he'd built a boat for the Columbia, and done it in typical Scott style, in an unconventional way. He'd built it with a propeller drive instead of the more traditional sternwheel configuration. It was big, it was luxurious, and it was fast. Oh yes, this one was definitely built for speed and for deep water. In fact, it was built to cost ORN a lot of money and lost sales. But Scott appears to have made a mistake by putting it on the Cascades run, which he may have done as a favor to help his friend and fellow Ohioan, that would be Captain Spencer. By forcing Scott to move the Fleetwood, 
ORN gave him the opportunity to correct that mistake without leaving Spencer high and dry. And correct it, he did. Soon the Fleetwood was making the run from Portland to Astoria. This was a run for which ORN charged passengers $5, this at a time when many working Oregonians made less than $5 in a month. Scott priced his service at 2 bucks. Crickets started chirping in the Oregon Railway Navigation ticket booth. Not only was the Fleetwood far cheaper than the competition, it was more luxuriously appointed and considerably faster. Passengers shaved several hours off their travel time by choosing Scott's boat. In fact, Scott probably could have charged $6 a head and still packed him in because the Fleetwood represented a premium service. The competitors settled into a new equilibrium on the lower river, in which ORN was for once the junior player. The erstwhile monopoly had to console itself by squeezing the farmers and traders who still rode his boats and trains back and forth from the Dalles and points east, a line along which ORN controlled all the portage routes and railroads and therefore couldn't really be challenged. But the Portland to Astoria route was the biggest and most profitable direct run on the river, and ORN probably found itself wishing that it had left Scott alone on his Cascades run. Scott subsequently formed a company called the Columbia River and Puget Sound Navigation Company, expanding to provide service in the Seattle-Tacoma area as well. It was a very successful company, and as the era of the Sternwheel Riverboat came to an end, it operated the most famous riverboat on the Columbia, the enormous, plush, and speedy Bailey Gatsert, known to those who found its wake excessive and annoying as the Daily Bastard, which was the only Oregon riverboat that actually has had a piece of music written for it. The Bailey Gatsert made its last run in 1917, by which time the Columbia River Sternwheeler era was definitely over and had been for several years, replaced by freight and passenger service on the rails. This article was first published on October 30th of 2011 under the headline, Steamboat Monopoly's Clever Coup Was a Big Mistake. Key sources included works by E.W. Wright, Gordon Newell, and Kenneth S. Holm. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. More info is at our hub page at offbeatoregon.com. Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulp Lit Productions, a boutique publishing house about which more can be learned at pulp-lit.com. Speaking of which, if you enjoy listening to me, you might check out some of my audiobooks. You can find them most easily with a search for my name on audible.com. Most of them are old pulp stuff, H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Rice Burroughs, etc., but at least two of them are offbeat Oregon history type stuff. Check them out if you're so inclined. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details, see offbeatoregon.com cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Episodes of Offbeat Organ History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye.